G'day, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of Aussie Nerds Talk Stuff. I'm one of the Aussie Nerds. My name is Reese, and with me is my good friend, another Aussie Nerd, Sandro. Hello. I am Aussie, and I am nerdy. That fits the description very well. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm ready to talk stuff. <laughs> You're hired. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> all right. For those of you who do not know, Okay, so today is the first episode of a new podcast, Aussie Nerds Talk Stuff, mm. in which myself and Sandro are going to talk about the first episode of the new Game of Thrones spin-off, House of the Dragon. And uh, we've been doing podcasts quite a lot throughout our lives for many years. For 10 years now, I think? It's 2022. We started 2012. So yeah. Yeah, 10 years. 10 years of podcasting. And we've had many podcasts during those years. We have. We started our own ones individually. Yep. They were focused on Doctor Who. That's how we met Doctor mm -hmm. Who fandom. Mm -hmm. But now we hate Doctor Who. Well. Now we only care about dragons <laughs> we only and oh wait matt dragons. smith's in it and that's the main reason i'm watching it um <laughs> the doctor's in it yeah oh. yeah, yeah. Hang on, it kind of defeats my point <laughs> it kind of does doesn't it but yes so we decided that we wanted to talk about this show and we did have a podcast that we'd been doing over the past few years during the pandemic mm. and we found it easier to do that show when the world was kind of responding to the pandemic differently than it is now but the pre-vaccinated pandemic response yeah when we we're all locked in at home and we had not very much to do especially us in victoria australia mm. which experienced quite a few lockdowns so we found it quite easy to be able to just sit and read and watch stuff this was called nerd out consumed which was a yes. spin-off of a show that sandra started with a few of our friends mm -hmm. and uh, we wanted to start our own just because we wanted to talk about stuff too and we had a lot of time on our hands yeah, and we were like, we'll just put it on that feed. It'll be easy. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was, and it was good fun. It was for quite a while. It was good. And it got us yeah. through the tedium of lockdown. And Oh, it did. But now that we're all sort of, uh, many of us are vaccinated and the economy and the world has opened up again and we got jobs again. Mm, yes. <laughs> uh, we, we ran out of the time and it, it just felt like it was good to start this show. Yeah, very much separate it from what that show is. If you have come across from uh, the Nerd Out consumed audience, first of all, welcome. Thank you for continuing to listen to us after so many years. Uh, I mean, months of of, of not making exactly. podcasts. Yeah. We're going to follow the same format on this show. The sort of thing like we'll talk about the, some stuff that we've been watching, some stuff that we've been playing and reading, and then getting into a main topic, which will be House of the Dragons, the the big premiere uh, oh, yeah. for this episode. It's going to be the same format, but it, it, it felt nice in terms of, I think, closure. Just to be like, this is a new era. Yeah. This is a new show. We, we, we've got a new title, Ants, uh, that we came up with <laughs> half an hour ago. Yep. <laughs> and uh, yeah, here we are. And, and it's going to be fun. It is. I'm really excited for this journey. Um, some other things that we should probably mention as well is we're kind of treating the next, what, four months as a bit of a soft launch for this show. Um, there's some goals, some milestones that we're looking to hit, uh, at the start of 2023, um, that, that we will be revealing then, but we are going to be treating this kind of on and off in terms of like, there's not really going to be a consistency in terms of episode uploads. 
I think is probably a good way to put that. <laughs> I think so. I think so. A, a big thing that, like I said, we it was very easy to be very consistent in lockdown. I personally know that my schedule has got some consistent things that aren't podcasting in it, but also it gets mm. quite busy and quite hectic. We're both sort of freelance creative type of people and we take any opportunity we can get. Yeah. But in some ways that does impact this sort of thing. So it's easier to to prioritize other stuff outside of this. But we always enjoy doing this, especially when there's something very exciting to talk about, like a new show, especially something as big as Game of Thrones mm-hmm. or House of the Dragon as it is now. Yeah, exactly. But we, I, I definitely would like to be consistent. My goal is to always be as consistent as possible mm-hmm. because it's always so much fun to regularly discuss the things that you know we engage with and also to be able to talk to you and to have people listen and if they wanted to engage too it's always great to have that happen too yes so one thing that we're going to do particularly for the first um four months of the show is uh we'll have our personal uh social medias that we'll post to you whenever we put up a new episode i think um yeah we're also probably gonna look for more of a every second week sort of release schedule again release schedule is is kind of a light word because we might (laughs) take weeks off there's no set day during that period i kind of treat this as a youtube channel rather than a a a particular podcast program uh, that you can always expect on a certain day this will just be like we upload when it's done (laughs) at the moment i know the common idea by the way with youtube channels is to actually be consistent and have stuff that will ride the algorithm wave and be spread out a lot more. But also there are some people who just put up hobby videos when they want to. Yeah, exactly. Which has been me. It's been a year or so since I put up a video, which is a reaction to the WandaVision trailer. Oh, <laughs> that brings me back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of the the the, the quick rundown yeah. uh, of, of everything. And I guess we should get into, into the show. Absolutely. So before we get into the big part of this episode, which is the first episode of the House of the Dragons or House of the Dragon, whichever one it is. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, true. <laughs> I, I keep getting confused. It's just House of the Dragon. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's not the house. Well, I guess because it's Game of Thrones. So they wanted... No, the. The abbreviation is Hot D. It is Hot D. Yes. Which is apt because it's Game of Thrones. And it's the HBO sex show. <laughs> yes. Yes. So before we get into that, all of that debauchery. Oh my. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to sort of carry on what we used to do with the old version of this show where we used to ask each other what we'd been consuming recently. But to be honest, because it's been so long since we've done a, an episode, that's a lot of stuff we could potentially talk about. Oh, yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll narrow you down and right. just say what sort of general things have you been, you know, consuming is what we used to say. Mm-hmm. But what sort of stuff would you like to talk about? Well, it's... A big question uh, for a big month, because it's August, mm-hmm. and um, we're recording this uh, just a couple of days after the Melbourne International Film Festival wrapped up. So I uh, I consumed a lot, and an awful lot during that. <laughs> you sure did. And I could probably mention a bunch of the films that I saw. I think that could be really fun. Hell yeah. By the way, it was a big bunch that he saw. I was looking at my Instagram and every now and again, a story of his would come up and he goes, festival film number one, 
two, three, the next day, 17, the next day. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I saw a lot more this year than I have any other year, but still not as much as a lot of people that go to the film festival. Like, mm. some of the people that go there just take the two weeks off yep. and they just see everything. Um, they get an overall pass, they can go to any movie, they, they line up like three to four films every single day and they just go for it. What a life. Yeah, well, I mean, I I kind of did that for the first week of the two weeks. I mm. I only took Thursday off that first week of the two weeks, and I saw a lot. I didn't see th- three to four movies every single day. I saw about two mm. every day. But but yeah, it's such a fun month because it's like these small movies <laughs> most of the time in massive theaters with pretty decently sized crowds, and it's a really fun. Uh, experience it's a very respectful audience most of the time you've got some of the bigger movies where i hate to use the word but more kind of normal audiences <laughs> go along and you have the occasional person on their phone you know a person uh. Uh, talking that sort of thing uh, but for the, the most part you know it's a very respectful crowd and i mm. i just i love that about the the film festival and it's certainly something you value is a smaller film, and I suppose an independent film to a degree. Yeah. Um, it's just something you really value, so it's it's really your bread and butter, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. And, uh, yeah, so I saw a bunch this year, uh, but there are definitely a few that I wanted to talk about, um, particularly starting with what I think was the best film of the festival, which is David Cronenberg's new movie, Crimes of the Future, which shares a, a, a name with his first ever movie, uh, from the seventies, Crimes of the Future, coming full circle. Yeah, but they're <laughs> they're not connected at all. Oh. They're absolutely not connected. Um, I haven't seen his first movie. I've heard it's actually not very good. <laughs> Given how litigious our this country is, he should have sued himself for it after <laughs> it was shown here. <laughs> that would have been great, actually. It would have been really good. But yeah, and it's a very very cool sci-fi. If it wasn't nice. As gory as it is, I would mm-hmm. recommend it to you. <laughs> to be like, this is a great idea for a sci-fi, a very, well, a very, uh, what's what's the word like, ecological kind of aware sci-fi, ooh. kind of set in the nearish future. There's some interesting kind of uh, after effects of not ne- necessarily global warming, but pollution going on there um it's it's really interesting it's about uh, Vigo Mortison uh he he's gotten to a point in like human evolution where he's just growing new organs jeez and people don't really know what they are he's getting them removed as like a public art piece thing yeah <laughs> that's where the gore comes in <laughs> okay yeah but there is this sort of, um, yeah, like ecological uh, part of it, um, which is a great idea. To be honest, I've seen a bit of that recently as well. So, oh, oh well, well, yeah, true game of thrones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, a great movie. Really, really enjoyed that. It kind of felt unfinished, um, which I was talking with uh, my friend Ben about, and he was like, "Yeah, the script doesn't feel finished, but that makes it feel quite." dreamy like it adds to the overall atmosphere which i think is is really cool so that's like out of all the films that i saw in the film festival that's one that's gonna probably show up in my end of year list outside of that uh there's not too many that will Mm. 
Another one I really wanted to bring up is an Australian movie, actually. I saw a bunch of Australian movies, and one that I think you would really like is The Stranger, which is coming to Netflix in October, I think. It's Joel Edgerton. Ooh, okay. As a... uh, As a... Oh... You really don't like spoiling these things, do no, you? No, I don't. No, I don't. <laughs> it's um, it's a pretty typical like Australian outing. Mm-hmm. We Australians love making crime dramas <laughs> based on true events. We Australians in our film industry don't get very much budget, so we mm. don't have much choice as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but th- th- there's a lot of Australian crime dramas about, right. you know, two men. One of them is gone by the law, one of them's not. and they're, or, we're, or when they're men, they're, they're men and they're Aussie and they're drinking a beer. Uh, and this is... Um, on a surface level, probably that, but mm. it's it's a very very well made movie that ran so much deeper than I expected. I just kind of like walked mm. into it being like, oh, the director will be there. This will be cool Australian movie. Go go support it. Joel Joel Edgerton, love that guy. Let's go see what his new films like. And I came out of it being like, whoa, that is, is one of the best Australian movies I've seen in a very <laughs> long time. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, re- really interesting. It is about true crime, but it makes a point to not show any violence on on screen, which I think is amazing. Yeah, good. Love that. Great performances all around. So definitely check that one out. Yeah. And then the last one that I wanted to mention is just a real weird film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know I love Peter Strickland, don't you, Reese? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He made a movie about radio when I loved it. He made a movie about a haunted dress and it was great. Yes. But he made a new movie called Flux Gourmet with Gwendolyn Christie. Ooh. Uh, about this, this institute that rents out its space for month-long residencies. Mm. Usually for... Oh, how, how to describe them? Like culinary audio performance? Oh, okay. Yeah, I was. Gonna, I, I thought you meant like food ASMR. Kind. It's it's not ASMR, but it yeah, it, it kind of. They use food to make not really music, but like audio and performance pieces. And it's um, okay. And it's about this trio. They get a residency. None of hmm. them like each other. They are just. They're a mess. Quite <laughs> frankly, there's hmm. this guy who's there to. Film them. He's like a reporter. He's there to stay with them for the whole month and kind of document what happens. And mm. he ends up getting a bunch of uh, gastro issues during the course of the movie, which is the comedy of the film. <laughs> yeah, of, of course. Comes yeah. from the fact that he's always farting. Mm-hmm. Around food. Oh, I'm eating here. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And you got like G- G- Gwendolyn Christie. She's the, uh, she's amazing. the owner <laughs> Uh, she's fantastic. Mm. Every time she shows up, all the characters say her full name. <laughs> to- oh, it's Game of Thrones all over again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's great. And Asa Butterfield from Ooh. Sex Education plays Hell like yeah. an emo um, <laughs> kid. And yeah, you could have just said Asa Butterfield. Well, yeah, it's just Asa I'm Butterfield. Kidding. Um, but but he, he is so awesome. much more range than that. He's amazing. <laughs> he is fantastic, and yeah. it's quite a restrained performance from, from him, particularly after <laughs> Sex Education, where he's mm-hmm. just extremely nerdy in this. He's like the opposite of nerd, but is still somehow nerdy. Uh, it's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, really, really fun. I was expecting it to be somewhat of a horror, but it isn't at all. It's yeah, it's more of a um. Tension piece, I guess, but yeah, right, Flux right. Gourmet, 
really no. solid. Uh, if you like weird movies, I recommend that one. And yeah, I think <laughs> all three are just available online now mm. or will be within the next month um, with them coming out on streaming. So some little recommendations there. But Reese, what have you got to talk about? Well, I've got, I've got a fair bit and I'm just trying to narrow it down because it's been a while since mm. we uh, <laughs> did anything like this. Let me just think because... I've got a, a list of TV and movies ranging from things such as Moonfall to Everything Everywhere All at Once. I so there's quite watched an Moonfall. I watched Moonfall. I watched it for Samuel Talia, right? That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched it, but th- that's what I'm saying. There's such a range of uh, things going on this year. Yeah, uh, and in terms of TV, there are there are things like. Um, with a book of Boba Fett right at the start of it, and then one I didn't think I'd watch, and then I ended up essentially watching the whole season in one weekend, was Heartstopper. Oh, is that that that's got the the new companion for Doctor Who, right? Yeah, I, I I do need to watch that. I forgot what yeah. it was called, and I couldn't find it on Netflix yesterday when I was trying to find it. Heartstopper, that's it. Heartstopper, that's the one. All right. But speaking of Netflix, I think the thing I want to talk about just briefly is their biggest show, and I think their best show, Stranger Things Season 4. Oh, talk about Season 4 briefly. Reese. Season 4 is anything but brief. This is true, especially uh, those last two episodes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> especially those last two episodes. Oh, boy. Um, I was sad when I heard that it was only two episodes in like the second half. They had a bit of a break, and I thought, oh, that's sad. And then I heard they're essentially the same length as the first five of <laughs> so it felt like. It yeah, it felt like the length of a normal Movie. half hour long sitcom season was just two episodes of Stranger Things. <laughs> exactly, yeah, it felt like that. Um, and I I know some people took issue, and I suppose I did because I started watching it one morning because I just wanted to get more. I really loved this season, mm. and I had to go to work and finish off the next half <laughs> when I got back. So I, that's just my fault. I could have watched it after work on a Friday and then yep. just had a late night or whatever. But I just wanted to see more because it's been a really good season. But yeah, so so much happened in it. And I just think uh, I, I'm finding out that according to fans, season three wasn't as highly rated as I rate it. But I really liked season three. I didn't think they could beat it, but they definitely did with this one. Oh, and they yeah, did that right. yeah, yeah, by yeah. going above and beyond. They They made it... Goria, for example. Mm, it's MA now, yeah. They made it really scary, and they just made you... They really threatened characters that you really care about, too. And um, when Running Up That Hill played, I started sobbing <laughs> in that scene. I I love Max. Max in is a great character. Four. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I don't know. There's so much to talk about, with, but with shows like this, and again, this is something we've had, got, had an ongoing conversation about. Shows releasing all at once or releasing weekly. Mm. And the one of the biggest reasons, probably the biggest reason, is I forget which episode is which when they're released all at once. Okay. There isn't the water cooler conversation. Mm. There aren't podcasts born from one episode of a show this is true. <laughs> like this we're is doing true. here. Because I, I feel like I need to talk about the whole season overall as opposed to single episodes. But season four, episode four was definitely my favorite of the season because it was so emotive and the tension was so high. Yeah. And they'd succeeded so well. Like in the fir- at the end of the first episode, when Christy. Chrissy. I only Chrissy. remember it because of the TikTok song. Yeah. <laughs> Chrissy, wake up. Yeah. This is not okay. I don't like this. <laughs> or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. 
when she died, that was shocking and showed how graphic they were going. But then you know what's going to happen. And when it starts happening to one of our main characters, that said to chill down my spine. Yeah. 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 No, definitely. Plus, honestly, uh, the performance from Sadie Sink as Max in that episode was absolutely brilliant. And I'll, I'll be open about it. I have my bouts of depression and anxiety, and they're all for. Everyone has their own reasons for feeling that way if they ever do. Mm. And she obviously had survivor's guilt mm-hmm, and yeah. also a little bit of guilt that she never really liked her brother, etc. This is actually spoilers and all of that if you haven't seen it, but so many people have seen Stranger Things. But just the way she performed it, it really spoke to me. And I, I was actually going through a, a rough patch at that time as well. And just like, mm-hmm. I think in general, people need to break the stigma, but that was kind of like a, a reminder that, I need to break the stigma with myself as well and admit if I'm struggling or whatever. And I kind of, I, I thought, yeah, I feel you, Max, it's hard. I'm right there with you. And there's a whole allegory to mental health in the whole season, I reckon. But yeah. the way she performed it was just so touching. And I think she did an amazing job. I think she's, yeah, like with the cast of Stranger Things, it's been interesting watching which of the actors get the best. Yeah. Like, you've got some members who aren't as good as the others, but then you've got some, like, Sadie Sink, who is almost leagues above everyone else on that <laughs> show. And, yep. uh, yeah, like, she's fantastic. Mm. And once her contract with Netflix ends and she can go and make some other stuff, it's going to be really exciting. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I've said for a long time, before they announced who they cast in The Last of Us, but I wanted her to play Ellie in The Last of Us. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agreed with that. I think that was perfect yeah. fan casting. I mean, the the person that they cast is also a fantastic actor. Oh, yeah. Um, but Sadie Sink was just, uh, yeah, just, just would have absolutely killed it. Well, she's almost getting old enough to play Ellie in part two now. You're right. I think. You're right, she is, yeah. And she looks it like she's matured more than who they've chosen, so... Mm. Anyway, I thought this season was amazing. I thought I was worried they'd go over the top with the the fear and the gore. Just because I think the gore's superfluous and the fear, personally, it stays with me a lot. That's the anxiety I've got, I think. <laughs> yeah. So I don't do horror movies very much. We've talked about that as well. But mm-hmm. they didn't. There was so This show has been so much about the family unit or the family nature of it. They upped that by 11 or to 11 as well, as with everything else. Yeah, yeah. It, it all worked so well. Great season. All the characters, well, most of the characters get a badass moment. Yeah, they definitely, like, some of them don't get arcs, but they all get really good moments. I, yeah. That, exactly. That's a yeah. very good way to put it. Like, you know, Hopper and Murray were extraordinary in Russia. <laughs> I, yeah, I've got a few friends who really didn't like the Russia thing, but I oh. I thought it was... Really fun. Maybe pacing-wise, it could have been better just to have that as an episode. I suppose so, yeah. Maybe, but I I loved the Russia stuff. I mean, it's just David Harbour being a badass for- Oh, I know, yeah. <laughs> and he deserved to get revenge by the end of that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, no, it's so fun. But I, I think the release schedule is really interesting because, yeah, like, we do, to a point, disagree with <laughs> shows being weekly. For me- I'm fine with a show being released weekly. It's just the pacing has got to be perfect if you're releasing it weekly. Yeah. Something like like House of the Dragon and and Game of Thrones, which we, which we will yeah. talk about, is very episodic, especially House of the Dragon with the format that, that they're going for. 
but something like Stranger Things kind of being essentially a really long movie. I mean, all the seasons are sequels, technically. Yeah, that's why they call them Stranger Things 2, 3, and 4, which I've never liked. It's season two, guys. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I just let the people call it that, but... Yes. Well, the episodes are chapters as well, really. <laughs> I know. I've always hated that. People were so pedantic about uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, which is an amazing show. Me saying that they're seasons, not books, isn't me saying it's a bad show. But whenever <laughs> I say they're like, you just don't get it. No. Well, technically, every <laughs> series of Doctor Who is called a series as well. But no, they're seasons. They're seasons. They are. I'm pretty... Um, I'm pretty <laughs> but yeah, I think like with releasing those last two... two episodes later a month after the first batch Mm. they said it was for the vfx which i can believe considering how much vfx were in that but also i think it goes to show that netflix probably should start releasing things in that even in maybe episode batches like two episodes a week yeah could be cool it's interesting because sandman is their biggest show now and that's all in one go yeah and no one's really talking about it in terms of episodes (laughs) I can't answer if it's that big, if it's uh, because it was released all at once, or because it's a really well-made show. By the way, I don't know if it's a really well-made show beyond the first episode, which was. I haven't seen beyond the first episode. I loved it, yeah. Well, I'm I'm up to episode seven. Uh, no, yeah. I'm up to episode eight now. But I'm, I'm just saying, I don't know if it's successful because it was released all at once, or because it's a Neil Gaiman work and he's earned a name at having really good adaptations made, especially when he has his hand in it. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is that's made it so popular. It could be the all at once factor, but then again, Game of Thrones was literally the biggest TV show in the world. Yeah, and it was just one episode, and it was once a week. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if it'd have the same effect for Netflix if it was once a week for Sandman. Um, I I honestly think with Sandman, uh, particularly because it is a very episodic show, it follows, yeah. and I am so thankful for this. It follows. <laughs> Uh, the comic books format of it's just a basically a bunch of very loosely interconnected stories. Yeah, and they follow that for the Sandman. I honestly think it probably would have worked as a weekly show more yep. so than some shows that are dropping weekly, like Miss Marvel. Uh, yeah. I, I think was a great show, but episodes three to five, watching them weekly, it was like okay, the start of this episode is like the third act of the last episode. Yeah, I think I've got to agree with Miss Marvel and She-Hulk not commenting on the quality of the show. Mm, No, absolutely not. I'm genuinely loving, I mean, I adored Miss Marvel because Mm. Kamala Khan is such a sweet character. She's like the next next generation Spider-Man, if that makes sense. There's a lot of similarities in how her story's told in the comics and I think they did very well with the adaptation to to the screen. And uh, She-Hulk, I'm having a hoot with because I adore Tatiana Maslany. Oh, it is so good. (laughs) And fourth wall breaking and cameos and all sorts. It's great. Yeah. But I do think those two shows did speak to me in volumes about you've got to be very selective about when the cliffhanger comes in or Mm. when to finish the episode. And really, I think only one really worked for me with when it ended, and that was the sequence when Kamala... Spoilers. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. Spoilers. <laughs> when Kamala somewhat flashbacked to the petition train yep. situation in Pakistan. Yeah, that was a great cliffhanger. But then the episode after that, 
felt like it should have been stretched out to two episodes because she's only there for half an episode. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. That <laughs> that was the only moment that landed the cliffhanger and let's end the episode now. Yeah. Because it felt right. In fact, if, weirdly, it reminded me of a Game of Thrones sequence. It just felt so big and so mm. stressful. Like, it felt like a season two uh, Battle at King's Landing, yeah. Shaw sort of moment. But yeah, the rest of it, it, it did feel clunky in that regard. Other than that, the show was great, but just in terms of picking when to end it, it didn't work very well for me. Yeah. The other shows I didn't mind, I thought Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I know you had problems with that as well, but- I did, yeah. I thought that worked naturally. What are the other shows that we had? One uh, Division I thought worked quite well because it had the- One Division was excellent. Well, it was so distinct because they were aiming to have episode every episode be different. Yeah, yeah. That, that one 100% worked weekly. I don't think Miss Marvel and She-Hulk work because they're not too distinct per episode. No. Well, I mean, the f- the first episode of She-Hulk, which granted at the time of recording is the only one that I have seen, um, but yeah. the first episode of She-Hulk is like the origin story. Yeah. But yeah, from what I've seen, it does seem like episode two is just a chapter and then it yeah. ends and then we'll get an- another chapter rather than them being- it does feel that I way. I guess like a sitcom kind of arc, which, you know, is a pretty- like, the way that Marvel treat their shows are they're massive movies, so it mm. would make sense that they would write them like big movies. But they did go out of the way with this one to specifically say a 30-minute comedy. Yes. Which I don't notice a difference, because Marvel is genuinely, generally, I mean, quite funny. Mm. Anyway, they do go for humour a lot. I haven't noticed much of a tone difference. <laughs> yeah, it's just the fourth wall breaking, really. <laughs> it is, and that's great. That's beautiful. Yeah. I, I feel like I've tangented a lot. But no, no, no. I mean, I think it's a good tangent. This is a good discussion. I really, I think we could have it more and more, too. Yeah. And to kind of end my thoughts on it, like, um, mm. I have watched all of the Marvel shows weekly, aside from Hawkeye and Moon Knight. Yep. Uh, Moon Knight, because I haven't seen it yet. <gasps> um, You're in for a treat. It's great. I am going to try to binge that as soon as possible. Basically, I just uh, ran... uh, It came out, like, at the start of Comedy Festival, and I was like, I am not committing to a weekly show during Comedy Festival. And this was the first Comedy Festival in two years. Yeah, yeah. So I just didn't watch it (laughs) weekly. Um, Surprisingly, I've avoided most spoilers, even though I already know everything because comics. Um, Oh, dude. When you watch it, we'll do an episode on that. Yeah. I'm very keen to. I'll re-watch it. It's that good. But what is probably my favourite Marvel show overall is Hawkeye. And I think yes. a lot of that is because my first time watching Hawkeye was all at once. I waited mm. until it was over. Uh, I waited until it was Christmas. And I watched it across <laughs> two nights. And that yep. worked amazing. Um, so- yeah. That's an interesting one. Because I think it worked very well weekly but i said this on we, we did an end of year episode where we talked about tv shows i rewatched it straight away as soon as i finished the finale because <laughs> i just wanted i wanted more but i'm not going to get more but i wanted that feeling i, I love that show yeah i i love kate bishop mm. i love Haley steinfeld so much so good so good and clint barton was so good at that show he was finally he was given so much more to do he had a, a personality and a good haircut <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah if you do want to check out because we talked quite uh, at length about mm. Hawkeye in in that episode that is on the nerd out feed which which I'll link in the episode description or if you are listening to this episode in the nerd out feed and you haven't heard it that was the last episode oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah true I think one more point on this and then we'll move on to the main topic yeah because it's a good transition those shows have 
very different structures to something like Game of Thrones or House of the Dragon. I think an hour-long episode or 50 minutes, they're more 50 minutes, uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah. But something like that works better than, I think, at max the 45 minutes or 40 minutes we get from Marvel shows. Yeah, Marvel's... I mean, there isn't really an average length. The most recent episode of She-Hulk, which is episode two at the time of recording, Yeah, I looked at it, and of course there were about 40 seconds worth of a post credit scene, mm-hmm. but there were 27 minutes of the actual episode, and then about s- six minutes of credits. Of credits, sorry. yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, with 30 of those being about, or maybe 30, 40 of those being a post credit thing, mm. which is fine. I actually think... Everyone working on it deserves as much credit as they can get. I think sometimes credits in films can be rushed, but I'm glad Marvel has slowed that down, even if it makes them really long. <laughs> yes. But I, I've seen other films where they actually kind of speed up the scrolling names, and if you've worked on that, you want to see your name. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that particularly with TV shows. They love to do that. All the executive producers get one second each, and then everyone else is just... Yeah. Just fast. I, I kind of... I love the respect being shown, but I looked at it and I thought, this said it was 30 minutes total, but most of this is credits. <laughs> yeah. The last third of it is credits, it felt like. But something that works so much better episodically is a House of the Dragon sort of show. Let's get into it. Do we want to do non-spoilers then spoilers? Because some people might not have seen it yet. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. And of course, uh, let's also, if you don't want to see nudity, gore, and a fair bit of swearing, and uncomfortable topics, it's not the show for you. No. Well, I think that that's been Game of Thrones from the get-go. Oh, exactly. It's it's a Game of Thrones show. Yeah. I saw a lot of people on Twitter being like, I can't believe Game of Thrones did this shocking thing. And I'm like, oh, okay. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> I mean, you expected the prequel to a show that was pretty... Pretty full on. You expected uh, the past of that world, a world that's grown yeah. since the prequel, to yeah. be less sexist than it was originally. Yeah, you mean the the world where I think even in the the time of <laughs> of uh, the Starks, they didn't really have a queen. Oh, they no, they did the Queen of the Eyrie, whatever mm, it is. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, that there are very few queens in that world in Game of Thrones, and in yeah. in Game of Thrones you see breasts and a beheading and all sorts in the first episode of the first the first season of game of thrones in particular really is looking back on it it really is a quarter porn (laughs) yeah like they really dropped that and i think hbo in general has Mm. really dropped the level of sex and particularly um nudity yeah, they've really dialed back on that just in general with HBO. But like, you look back on those first couple seasons, and my goodness, were we too uh, young to be watching that? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I yes, <laughs> yes. I was thinking about that like this week. I thought this has been with me for a long time. How old was? Holy shit! <laughs> yeah. Well, I was like that. Like recently with watching Sandman as well. I was like, I read this when I was. 12 this is <laughs> this is more like this is more gruesome than like stuff that affects me now <laughs> yeah wow yeah wow but yeah so non-spoiler should we what should we do i guess the general premise if you haven't seen house of the dragon it is a prequel 
to the award-winning program. Uh, and the bloody excellent program, frankly. <laughs> really, really good. I've seen, this, I've seen a lot of people saying the disgraced show Game of Thrones. Yeah. And I mean, to a point, yes, the final season was disappointing, but there was seven really good episodes. Like, yeah, technically seven and a half really good seasons before yeah. the three episodes that kind of ruined it for everyone. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, the writing got a little worse once it wasn't based off the books, but... I don't know. In some ways, I think it did. But for me, I always thought it really picked up by season seven. There was a lot of stuff I was waiting for. I was just waiting for the culmination. And I know the books, they're huge. I'm looking at them right now. Each individual book is a huge book. They are massive, yeah. And there are many of them. And they're not done yet. (laughs) (laughs) And they never will be. There's a lot of where they never will be. (laughs) I know there's a lot of waiting going on, but in some ways, I just, I wanted to get to where we did in the first three episodes of season eight. And I thought they did those three episodes very well. Then they messed it up. And I really liked season seven personally. And I thought, finally, it's picking up. But the book readers, because Game of Thrones was divided into... (laughs) haves and have nots in terms of read the books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the half that didn't like yeah. the half that didn't like season 7 was the half that had read the books, right? Yeah. yeah. And I, in some ways I think that's fair. I don't know yet how far they've diverged, but I've read the first book. It was a long time coming, but I'm going to read the rest <laughs> of them. I'm very interested. But my big problem is that I love talking about it when you know the concepts. There's so much rich history in this fictional world. He's George R. R. Martin's brain is amazing to come up with all of this. Mm, that's true. But I don't think his writing is very good. It's yeah, so it's, sloggy. It's so slow for me. Uh, yeah, you kind of had the same journey that I had with Dune. Dune, yeah, where like yeah. I, I particularly the first book, I think is incredibly <laughs> poorly written. I actually liked the sequels quite a bit, and I think they yeah. picked up uh, the writing style. The first two. Cool. I'm not reading God Emperor. Uh, because that's just a collection mm. of speeches. <laughs> so I'm not going to read that one. Um, but yeah. It's like a Greyjoy scene, am I right? <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> but I think uh, I do want to read the Game of Thrones, well, the Song of Ice and Fire novels, I should say. Yeah. I do want to read them when we've got a release date for, <laughs> for the last two uh, <laughs> books from the month. Oh, mate, from they're the so month. big. I seriously think it would take you that long to get through to Well, true, them actually, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, yeah, with Game of Thrones for me, I loved the politics, mm. surprisingly, um, <laughs> uh, considering how young I was, <laughs> was watching them. I really enjoyed the politics. And then when the action started to get a bit more of the focus in season seven, I also really enjoyed it. But then with eight, I was like, this could have just been three seasons. While I did enjoy uh, yeah. to a, I would go so far as to say that I loved the first three episodes of season eight. I agree. But the final three really yeah. should have been two seasons yep. of their own thing. Yeah. I, I've said it before. I know the D and D, I forgot their full names, but D and D were were ready to move on and they had sort of lined up a Star Wars project and then that fell apart. Mm-hmm. I know they were doing that, but I don't, I don't understand why HBO let them make it a shorter season. Yeah. It was literally the biggest show in the world. It was making them the most money. Surely they could have insisted, no, make it a full season. And even that would have been better than the back half of what we got, I reckon. Than what we got. 
But yeah, unfortunately, we did get what we got. The internet yeah. being the internet was like, that was a bad finale. I hate this show now. The whole show is terrible. Show Never is mind terrible. the fact that, you know, we fell in love with a few of the characters throughout the past nine years or eight years at that point. Never mind the fact that it was winning awards left, right, and center. Never mind the fact it's got an amazing story and characters involved in it. No, these three crappy episodes ruined the whole thing for the internet. <laughs> exactly. And so a lot of the discourse I was seeing going into watching House of the Dragon was um, negative. I mean, obviously, it's the internet. Everything's negative all the time. <laughs> and that's why I don't go on Twitter. But Welcome to the internet. <laughs> da, 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 da. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but like with House of the Dragon, I think also I didn't, care i saw the premise and i was like i i don't i don't think i care about this as a prequel i was more interested <laughs> in in uh the, the the other one that was cancelled whatever that was called i was always more interested in the other one and this one i thought yeah that could be fun but i want that one and then i'll watch this one yeah <laughs> but that never happened <laughs> no that got cancelled even though they put <laughs> what, like a hundred million dollars into it uh, yeah. <laughs> it got cancelled and we were like okay house of the dragon but yeah, I I wasn't sure about this one. Uh, I think I saw the trailer and I was like, oh, Matt Smith's in it. That's cool. And that meant that I would watch it. Just seeing him, I'm like, <laughs> well, I guess I'm watching this. Yeah. But I didn't really care about it. Even going into the show for maybe the first five minutes of the episode, mm. I was like, I, I don't care about this, really? Because it doesn't have a grand opening like Game of Thrones does with the White yeah, Walker scene. It's just here's a bunch of men sitting around a table and i was like oh yeah someone someone online a tv writer well a writer in general who's written more than just tv but she said like 10 years ago it was shown to us not told to us now we've had a voiceover and also text afterwards what has happened to tv <laughs> yeah the, the classic cold opening thing but yeah. once we got past that i think it was about 20 minutes into the episode i thought to myself hang on a second I'm 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 liking this. Yeah. It kind oh, of good. felt like returning mm. to Star Wars with Force Awakens. I was like, oh <laughs> I really like this world actually. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm back in it. Well I don't like the world. I wouldn't want to live there. You you don't want to oh. live in Westeros. That's a terrible <laughs> idea. Um but I was like, oh the writing is back to like season four level. Yeah. It feels, you know, it's all about politics and I'm having to think while watching this. <laughs> I'm having yeah. to engage in, oh, Matt Smith's great and, oh, that younger Australian actor's doing a good job and, man, I love <laughs> the king. Am I a fan of this? And then we got to the end of the episode and I was like, wow. And it looked stunning yes. most of the way through. It did. It did. Especially now I've got a large-ish TV, a 55-inch. That's what I've got. It's not the best quality. It's cheap. Yeah. But like watching it on that, I was like, whoa. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's nice. This looks really <laughs> good. They put lots it of really money does. in this. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I went in not expecting much, mm. came out. Very interested in seeing where this is going. I'm going to give it a couple yeah. more episodes before I say I'm hooked, I think. Because with TV shows, the first episode can be amazing. And then you get to, like, <laughs> episode four and it's foundation. And we're stuck on this planet for ten episodes. Even though oh, the first three episodes take place <laughs> over a thousand years. Now we're just on a planet. Oh, Jesus. Following the same characters. <laughs> <laughs> so if that happens, I'll be upset. But... <laughs> Right. But I really enjoyed this first episode. What was your journey with it? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, my journey was 
Uh, with Game of Thrones, I really liked discussing it with a lot of people. The last few seasons came out while I was still at university. Oh, that's right, yeah. And every Monday, our time, we'd finish classes. One of us would <clears throat> put it onto a hard drive after getting a copy. Yeah, <clears throat> mate. Well, we don't do that. Um, <laughs> and then we'd meet in one of the shared accommodation cottages that we had. Cottages. I said that. I said D. Cottages. cottages. You call them cottages? That's the most regional <laughs> Australian. Thing. Uh, well, okay. I love that. <laughs> what we had was that was what it was officially called when you signed up the unit. C- completely ten- tangenting, but you had like uh, places named after some former teachers at the university. Oh yeah. Uh, you had one called the domain block. You had another one called this block, and then you had literally little cottages like set up, little almost um, made out of brick, but almost like cabins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they were slightly cheaper, and I could afford that, so <laughs> I, I went for those. Anyway, we gathered in the living room of some of the cottages, and we um, we'd watch it. And so I loved the sense of community around it, yeah. both online, because I'm obviously very focused online. I've done many podcasts, but also in person. It was amazing. So I always cherished that about Game of Thrones. And I was satisfied enough with the last episode. For me, the two worst episodes ever of Game of Thrones, uh, four and five of season eight. Mm-hmm. I thought they worked well in the final episode with what they had left. I thought they took away too much and messed up a lot in those two episodes I just talked about. But based on what we had left and how they kind of rushed to the ending, I thought the ending was decent enough. Okay. So I didn't hate it, but when I saw the internet did hate it, I just thought, I'm not going to be bothered. They hate Star Wars 2 now. They hate this 2 now. They hate all sorts of things now. I'm just going to live in my world where I enjoyed enough of it to be satisfied with the final season. But I kind of disconnected from Game of Thrones after that. Mm. And then I saw Matt Smith was cast in it, and I thought, ooh, that's interesting. I hope for his sake this is successful because he's had some (laughs) poor poor things happen. But recently he had... um, Last night in Soho, which went down really well. That was amazing. Yeah. And now this is going down pretty well, it looks like. It's yeah, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> we will. But yeah, so I knew he was in it. I was relatively excited about that. I got very excited when I saw the trailer. Okay. And it looked decent. I, I actually genuinely did like the trailer. But as soon as we got to August and I realized the advertising was here for it, and it was amping up, and it said the 22nd of August. Oh, yeah, I thought, yeah. You couldn't go anywhere in uh, Flinders Street train station without seeing at least two posters for this show. Oh, really? <laughs> it was okay. ridiculously yeah. highly advertised. Thankfully, like, I don't get any of that sort of thing living regionally, but <laughs> like, I just, I don't know. As soon as I saw I was in the, the month of it, I was like, it depends how good it is and how it's received, but could I be bothered? Because I'm sick of toxic fandoms, and all of them are toxic to a degree at this rate. Yeah. Uh, everywhere you look, like because they've cast a, a a person of color to play the Doctor in Doctor Who, racists have come out. Uh, yeah, the anti woke. And... Um, it, it's the worst part of all fandoms. I hate it. It's a it joke is. at this point. I make fun of them all the time, and then oh, yeah. people think I'm being serious. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> so I I was worried that the toxic side of the Game of Thrones fandom, the one that for some reason can't separate. Sure, call the last two seasons disappointing all you want. I disagree. I think the last half of the last season was the most disappointing part. <laughs> but, like, there's been so much amazing stuff in this. Like, I, Amelia Clark, I'm 
I'm in love with. <laughs> but she played Daenerys amazingly, and I do agree her ending was disappointing, but probably not the choices they made. I could see her going mad. I mean, her father was the Mad King. That made sense. Yeah. But I think they rushed it. <laughs> yeah. But everything else, the lead up to it being going from being a young girl, obviously not played by a young girl, but the story is she's a, a young teen at the start of it. And then sadly is, you know, raped and all this awful stuff happens to her, but she grows stronger. All the characters experience horrific stuff and they grow stronger. We all went on that journey mm. and it was bloody amazing. But there are some people who just couldn't remember that and be disappointed with a bit of it. Yeah. <laughs> so I was worried that this would just be derided as well. Uh, so I kind of just braced myself and I had to watch it twice before I decided that I really did like this. Okay. But I do. I really do. Mm. One of the reasons is I kind of find, this sounds weird, but I find it a cynical show. Oh, yeah. Or a cynical world. Oh, yeah. Maybe pessimistic is a better way of putting it because nothing goes well. And I can't see it ending well for King Viserys. No. Because he's a nice man as a leader in this very dark world. Yeah, you're right there. I mean, yeah, it does kind of, the whole show does feel like you're just watching it at a disaster i mean the whole point is it's the beginning of the end of peace basically the targaryens and and i i think you complained about this in a message to me but winter is coming oh uh, <laughs> i yeah the very end of the first episode i thought was a bit tongue-in-cheek but we'll get to that in spoilers <laughs> well it was but i liked that that's the thing also i've always had a thing with game of thrones as well i kind of hinted at it earlier the sex quota and then there's the swearing quota then there's the over-the-top gore quota and I always watch it, but I roll my eyes. But by the end of a season, I'm like, yes, yes, give me more. Have you got any more of those episodes? <laughs> because, yeah. No, you don't. Another year? Fine. I'll wait. But I always kind of just like, oh, of course. They went there with that moment and, you know, whatever it is, you know. It, it, I always kind of take a moment to warm up to it. And by a moment, I mean like two or three episodes mm -hmm. and then I'm hooked. Yeah. But that's even by season four or five, when Game of Thrones was well established as one of the things I do really like. There was always like this journey I went on each season. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of had that the first time I watched it, especially, and I'll be vague, but the birthing scene was very confronting. Oh, yeah. And it was deliberately confronting, but they could have achieved the same sort of thing and only hinted at it, ah. was, was my thought when I was first watching it. But then I thought, no, look, they did that. <laughs> this has always been a confronting show. They've dismembered people literally in this episode uh they've done all sorts of stuff watch it in that mindset be in the game of thrones mindset i did and i liked it so much more <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's weird um elderly you know i've seen a lot of quite positive reception to this but i've also seen people being like oh i, I can't believe that that this show is so gross and and all the men suck and and it's and it's gory <laughs> and oh that birth scene was was so oh, yeah. gross and I'm like yeah that what did you expect it's it's Game of Thrones <laughs> what did you expect like this family is an incestuous family as well yeah it's like they're not suddenly gonna make Game of Thrones family friendly just because it's not 2012 it's <laughs> it's 2022 you know well there is always gonna be inappropriate. I say inappropriate, non-family content. Yeah. It's rated R, isn't it? Or MA15 or something. I reckon it's probably R. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, 
don't watch it if you're sensitive to it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but, yeah. but that was one part of the reception that I found kind of annoying and then I logged off Twitter and yeah. uh, then found a, a people who, who actually liked it. And it seems like a lot of people <laughs> are enjoying it. I mean, critics are a bit torn. I saw like a, the first paragraph of, of a review and I sort of agreed. It's a really good love letter to Game of Thrones, but if it was its own show, it would have been a shaky start. Oh, yeah, 100%. I, I mean, as I mentioned, like the start of this it feels like you're starting in a new season of Game of Thrones, but you're just it in does. the past now. Whereas with Game of Thrones itself, that, you know, it very much had, this is the start of a TV show <laughs> with mm-hmm. the first episode. And we're going to show you how scary we can get with these White Walkers. Yeah. And then we're going to show you how gory we can get. And then a, a sex worker is going to give Peter Tinklage a blowjob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whereas with yeah. this, it's like, this is a continuation of that Mm. if you're not a game of thrones fan do not start with this show don't do it it's like watching the book of boba fett without watching the mandalorian (laughs) don't do it yeah i'm gonna talk i'm gonna talk about that in no end of year episode (laughs) i mean ultimately i really do like this but i I sort of agree with that review it's it's a it's just another game of thrones season isn't it yeah and when i say just like i said it's an amazing show yeah but i do think it is it is just another Game of Thrones show, but I like that, actually. I think it's really good. It's been three years. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Chris Stockman, who is one of the only reviewers who I put mm. any weight into <laughs> reviews with, really. Um, He's pretty damn good. But he reviewed this, uh, mm. the first episode, and um, and yeah, you know, seems quite positive on it. Most of the friends that I've talked to also really enjoyed it. Mm. Uh, I will say that I do think this is kind of an unnecessary story to tell in this world of Game of Thrones, but at the same time, I I think I like all these characters enough to say that maybe it is necessary. I don't know. Only time will tell. To a certain extent, you could argue that any prequel is unnecessary because another story seems to have worked quite well. I mean, it's all subjective, but if another story has told its story while mentioning characters long dead, Mm. but who did things, then if that story can exist, then any prequel is not necessary. I mean, yeah, that is kind of true. That is a good point. I don't think we're going to discover anything new that sheds light on Game of Thrones, for example. No. You're not going to suddenly figure out that, a character with the same family name is actually also an heir, even though they can't change anything about Game of Thrones. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's not going to be anything huge that happens. But then again, having said that, I'd love to see some Winterfell prequels. I think, yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah. Or some, probably not Greyjoy, because they ne- never did enough with Greyjoy in Game of Thrones. But, I mean, in, what's that one? The Iron Islands. That's the one. Uh, House Greyjoy in the Island y- Iron Islands. Yes. Yes. But yeah, you know, some other family histories would be great too. The Targaryens are just amazing because they had the dragons. Yeah, I mean, out of all of the families to choose, I mean, the Targaryens is a pretty good one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when I went into this, I, I tried to remind myself of all the flashbacks that, that we had in, in <laughs> Game of Thrones, and mm. I still don't remember them. Um, I remember watching them at the time and being like, oh, okay, can we get back to modern day, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I vaguely do too. Can, can we get back to Amelia Clark so I could stare lovingly at her? <laughs> yeah. That's what I was saying. <laughs> uh, uh, is this cousin incest? That's all it is? Cool. All right, let's move on. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I I reckon it's it's really good. Obviously, not for the faint of heart, but none of this is. No, exactly. But at the same time, it's not as full on as some stuff has been. Actually, in terms of all the TV I've watched, this is probably one of the more graphic ones I've seen. I'm thinking like Peacemaker was pretty gruesome. <laughs> and the boys. Well, yeah, like we live right now in in kind of a TV landscape where we've got the boys as arguably the most popular superhero show out. And mm. I mean, they had an entire episode about an orgy. So, you know. This episode of this was almost that too. It was that. Not an episode about it. It featured it. It, though. it, it did. It yeah. did indeed. Well, that's sort of our opinions. Shall we sort of get into some details? Cause... I reckon we should get into some details. I can't believe Matt Smith was playing the Doctor this whole time. <laughs> I know. I was amazed to see the TARDIS. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it kind of breaks the rules that Auntie D set up with Torchwood. I mean, you know, Torchwood, highly sexual show. The Doctor never appears I in Torchwood, know. but characters from Torchwood can appear yep. in Doctor Who so that kids don't, like, want to go and watch Torchwood because the Doctor's in it. But here we go. We, we, we've got the <sighs> Doctor know. participating. And I never realised that the chameleon circuit could actually make it look like an organic <clears throat> being and make it look like a dragon. I know. <laughs> <laughs> this was all just an X-rated episode in in the oh what's it called the simulation room on the TARDIS. The Doctor's yeah, exactly. actually quite dirty. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. This is that period of time actually, because Doctor Who's time traveling and all of that. After he just lost the ponds and he was lonely. Oh yeah, of course, of course. So some say the Doctor's libido is so slow he only gets horny once every 10,000 years. Mm-hmm, and this mm-hmm. is the one time. Exactly. Exactly. Anyway. In reality, this is a story about the House Targaryen. And I suppose for this instance, we'll focus mainly on King Viserys, who is mm. the king because his older sister, or is it his cousin because there's incest? Uh... Uh, I think it's his cousin. I'm pretty sure they're all cousins, yeah. Well, he and Matt Smith are brothers. Paddy Considine. Sedine? I'd say Considine. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't... I know I've seen him in stuff before, like... Hot Fuzz. The Outsider, yeah, Hot Fuzz and stuff. But like when he showed up in this, I was like, is that him? Yeah. Because he really does lose himself in this role. Same with Reese Iffens. Mm, Yes. Um, but yeah, so it, he's king because his older cousin or sis- sister, <laughs> I think it's cousin because they're, they're all incestual. It's gross. <laughs> She's a woman. And in this time, they never had a female leader. No. He's the next in line in terms of age. So he becomes king. And it starts off 10 years ago, essentially, before the main events of the episodes where he was coronated and chosen to be the heir for his father, who I've forgotten his father's name, but he's essentially very old. He's about to die. He knows it. So he gets a council together to select an heir to like confirm that it would be him Mm. because the kind of a lady do it. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we kind of have a, which was a bit of a rough start to the show, uh, a very highly produced flashback. It wasn't too bad. It was very Lord of the Rings in my mind. Oh, yeah, true, true. Um. (laughs) It was more, for me, it was like, you've got the the voiceover, and then after yeah. the scene, you've got the text, which drops Daenerys <laughs> yeah. by name, and I'm yeah. there, and I'm like- And then oh, it okay. fades away. So the, the TDLR was, uh, TLDR, was uh, 
172 years before Daenerys? Yes. Or something like that? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. So essentially it's nearly 200 years before Game of Thrones of the show. Yeah. Uh, where they explained everything I just explained about the king. Yeah, it was, I mean, probably necessary. I think there maybe would have been a more subtler way to do it, but it's all, it's fine. It's, it's, a, it, it's a fine intro. I think we've got to remember that we live in a very nerdy world and there are people who, again, we talked about the haves and haves not in terms of who read the books, who didn't, who's been watching the trailers, who's done this, that, and the other. Yeah, true. But Game of Thrones being so popular, I know people who would never read probably anything, frankly. No offense to them. They're just reading isn't a pastime. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't really pick up much with a dragon and swords on it. But because it became popular, they watched it. So they might think it is just another season of Game of Thrones. But now they're just trying to make it clear that, no, this is a different show set very different periods. So maybe they need to make it obvious for people who haven't really paid attention. Yeah. I mean, my mum is a pretty big Game of Thrones fan. I think she started watching in season six and binge it all then and then was watching uh seven and eight not with me because that would be mm. awkward um so awkward. around the same time like, i found it awkward watching it with people my age who you know we were used to that sort of thing and a few of us were dating so we were quite intimate with each other but yeah, not like the same relationship, but I mean, like in that room, there are a couple, there are a few couples. But whenever you know an intimate scene came on, we were still uncomfortable. Yeah, and yeah. you're supposed to be a bit more liberal and open about that sort of thing at uni, but we're just kind of like, ah, yeah, well, let's just look over this way. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, like I think yeah, like my mum, I'm pretty sure I've told her about the show, but mm. yeah, like would you know when it's set? No, would she remember anything about the Targaryens? Probably not. They're the ones with white hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's just they're they've got white hair and dragons and incest. Um, is probably yeah. all that most people would remember. So I think mm-hmm. having that intro is necessary. Uh, it's just you know how I feel about exposition. I do. Kind of dumped. <laughs> that's a that's a, a running theme between us. Is is how TV shows are are released and how much I hate exposition. Oh. Yeah, well, I side with you a lot on exposition. There was a moment where I thought there was really terrible exposition, but I realized it was an insult from Damon, who is Matt Smith's character, mm-hmm. talking to Otto Hightower, who is Reese Iffen's character. Mm. And he said uh, something about, he was talking about his wife. And then he said, well, I may as well give my wife to you. Yours died recently. And then uh, I just thought, oh, that's clunky. But then he leans forward and says, did she not? And like, he's just rubbing it in his face because he's a, jerk <laughs> yeah yeah so they made it work but it did feel clunky at first yeah i did find the first because we get a um the show basically opens on a a meeting with king Viserys and and mm. and his uh and his council well it does jump straight into dragons as well which oh like there it. is the the whole dragon thing and yeah, princess rainera rainera flies a dragon and she loves it yeah that was quite cool, actually. And mm. I'm interested to get your thoughts on the dragons in a bit as well. Sure. But yeah, like we we do open after that on the council meeting and everyone is like saying each other's names a lot. Like, you know, when <laughs> yeah, a TV yes. show needs you to remember characters' names, so they just say them a lot while having them on screen. Uh, well, I've got to give him credit on this, though. In the books, every time a character talks, it doesn't just say... King Robert Baratheon. It doesn't just say said Robert. 
after mm. they establish he's in the scene, it's said King Robert Baratheon. Yeah, Talking yeah. to Lord Eddard Stark. It, you could just say Robert and Ned. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but, but, of course, they are quite formal in this world as well, so. Yeah, but, but I mean, how are you going, Lord Eddard Stark? Said Robert Baratheon. I'm good, Robert Baratheon, <laughs> said Eddard Stark, you know. Yeah. Well, at least that's better than... Dune, in which, like, most of the main characters have multiple names. Oh, well, <laughs> Daenerys Targaryen, Breaker of Chains, and... <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah. yeah, I thought that was uh, quite clunky, but also, of, of, of course it's gonna be. I feel like you're, like, the way, the place where this show decides to start the story, it's gonna be clunky anyway <sighs> if you start here, I think. I didn't notice it because... I suppose they do it a fair bit. I suppose they normally say your grace and they do for the rest of the episodes, but yeah. it's not surprising to see my Lord Targaryen, yeah. you know, or something like that. So yeah. Uh, well, it was also all the, the like quickly catching you up on like where the politics are at. There's yeah. this thing that one character wants. You're the master of coin. You're the master of this. Yeah. And the other. yeah. You're my hand of the King and stuff like that. Yeah. Whereas yeah. with Game of Thrones, you're brought into that because Ned Stark is your in. You know, he's yeah. kind of taken in. You see a lot of it through his perspective. Mm. Um, you've got that in, whereas here everyone's <laughs> already in their <laughs> positions to and ready to go. And then by episode nine, you're like, what the f- fuck? <laughs> well, yeah. And then that happens. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, I think, yeah, the, the, the first 20 minutes, potentially a little clunky. I think on the rewatch for me, I'll be fine with it, though. Yeah, fair enough. After that, it really picks up. I mean, you got Matt Smith there as the king's brother. At mm-hmm. first, I thought he had a thing going on with Rhaenyra, and I was like, ugh. But no, they're just friends. <laughs> I Okay, I've really got to talk about this, because I have watched a lot of reactions to this mm. since it came out. I love reactions, and I've seen a lot of tweets about it. There were two incidents where people thought that was happening. Well, not incest, but underage romance and it's jumping forward a little bit oh no i'll say it now and then i'll talk more detail later but i read them both very differently Mm. to everyone else this one turns out he was just giving her some dragon it's dragon glass or is it dragon uh steel maybe oh oh, actually no i think it is steel yeah that sounds right whichever one it is giving her a necklace made out of dragon Oh, whatever the substance is. I don't know if that's right. I've forgotten now. Um, but it it's a very rare thing. It's like a vibranium in Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's only one source of it, but Valeria's gone now because it was destroyed in like a volcanic eruption or whatever destroyed it. I'm not too sure anymore. I've forgotten. There's only so much of it in the world, and he's <laughs> had a necklace made for her. And frankly, it's just a gift from an uncle to a niece. But the uncle's such a jerk and such a nasty piece of work. He's already been talked about quite badly oh and i think this is after he's had his army of gold cloaks who he's created it was just the police watch a police force previously but he's turned them into the gold cloaks now is this after that scene where they went out and terrorized people uh well there's the scene we're first introduced to matt smith with rainian nero on the iron throne okay and then i think he goes out and kills a bunch of people and then i think he oh no I think the Iron Throne scenes where he gives him the thing. No, that's right, because he goes and sees the king afterwards, but mm. he's got blood on his face from that night. That's right. Okay. It's just a gift, essentially, but everyone was like, oh, is this going to lead to incest? Plus, not to mention the actress is 
22. I don't know how old the character's meant to be, but probably younger than that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's Game of Thrones. I thought that as well. I mm. think that's just that. That's just the the watching Game of Thrones effect. I think knowing they're Targaryens, but yeah, that's interesting because I haven't. I thought that it was only me misreading the situation, but if a lot of other re- reactors thought that way as well, then that, mm. that is well interesting. I think I'm the odd one out when it comes to the next scene, which I'm sure you know which one it is. And should we jump forward a bit? Yeah, I mean, I'm not really going through this plot-wise, so yeah. Okay, well, actually, yeah, I'll just quickly sum it up. Uh, essentially, this story is setting up the characters, but also setting up what this whole season is going to be about, which is a classic sort of like medieval story. And I know this isn't real life medieval, but it's medieval feeling Mm -hmm. is succession. Mm. And the king has his wife, either he or she, or a combination of the two of them have had very little luck with children. He's had a daughter, one child, but they've like made love multiple times. She's fallen pregnant multiple times and none of the others have lived. Yeah. For whatever reason, they either died in the womb, very sadly, didn't live long. And I also believe they're all female. Mm-hmm. This one ends up being a boy. Sadly, he's he's breech in the breech position. They don't they can't deliver him very well. And there's a yeah. very confronting scene where they perform essentially a very primitive uh, cesarean. Mm-hmm. And sadly, the mother dies. However, it was a situation where they were both going to die. I think the king went about it went about it badly. Could have explained it to her, talked her through it, left the choice to her. But it wasn't always done that way. Women aren't particularly respected, sadly, <laughs> even if you supposedly love them. Yeah. And so the queen dies, and just after that scene, the hand of the king, Otto Hightower, sends his daughter to see the king. Oh yeah. And it. I think I'm wrong on this because I can't make the maybe you could wear one of your dress your mother's dresses line work in the context in which I saw it. But I swear he knows that the king is a very empathic and passionate and emotional man. And so is his daughter. His daughter strikes me as ever so sweet because she's lost her mother as well. And that scene is turns out being genuinely beautiful, the one where they're together. But in the lead up to it, the father says, you can offer him, maybe you can go and offer him comfort and wear your mother's dress. Everyone's going, oh, no, in the reactions. Yeah. And I can't make the dress line work. But personally, I thought he knew that his daughter's genuinely a sweetheart. This is a nice king, which is a rare thing for the Game of Thrones world. Yeah. I'm, He's just a nice man. I'm surprised. And they, basically, she ends up taking a book, like a history book or a t- book of stories with her into his chamber talks to him and there's a beautiful line saying when my mother died she says it very softly because she's quite worried about the situation and probably because she thinks she's probably about to be slept with as well (laughs) because again i'm wrong but i i read it differently than everyone else uh she says when my mother died people spoke to me in riddles and i just wanted them to say that they're sorry about what happened to me and she looks at me and i said and i'm so sorry for what happened to you your grace and it turned out just to be a nice scene because the king isn't like that he isn't like another man who somehow could be turned on the day his wife has died a gruesome death in front of him and sleep with someone. (laughs) Apparently some men in this world can do that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't put it past a lot of them. (laughs) He can't. Yeah, that was an interesting scene. I think I was also a bit like, oh, no. Well, until that line, I thought it was... Because she did offer him comfort. 
I thought, oh, that's sweet. Like Otto appears to be not only his the hand of the king, but also a a, a sweet kind of man. And and uh, Alicent Hightower, his daughter, gets on well with the princess, and yeah. he's essentially like the king's closest friend. I thought it was genuine until that line. I'm like, oh, that's the comfort he meant. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> and but then she does the the. The sort of comfort you would genuinely do, which is just talk to the guy who's mourning his wife and, sadly, son. The baby doesn't make it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the writer knows what he's doing. And knows what audiences expect from Game of Thrones, too. Yeah, and then is kind of subverting those expectations a bit. Um, yeah. But but that was, yeah, it was interesting that there were two occurrences of that during mm. this episode. Um, but, y- but, you know, there yeah. are some... Explicit sequences in this episode. Uh, oh, yeah. Some, I think two. Well, it, do you mean like sexually explicit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there are two. Yeah, there's... um. Sadly, both involving Matt Smith, which I can't... I'm not comfortable with. <laughs> I Yeah, it's interesting... He's meant to be the doctor. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting to me that oh, um, with Matt Smith in particular, he's very much fallen into the villain yeah. in everything. I mean, he is disgusting in last night in soho he's the villain in morbius he's the villain in terminator when he showed up for two <laughs> minutes he he was going to be the villain throughout the whole trilogy of terminator and then they did one that's right he was going to be young palpatine supposedly in episode nine <laughs> he's very much taken on that villain role and i think because i am more of a horror fan than you um i did watch last night in soho as soon as it came out and i was like oh Oh. my this is amazing Mm. and i've just kind of seen him as that now (laughs) i want to see it i just haven't seen it yet i don't i don't mind seeing him as a bad guy i love every other scene he's in i just don't want to see a doctor have sex well yeah (laughs) i watched that when i was a kid too and it's just i mean yeah yeah I mean, ultimately, I don't know how much I want to see sex in TV shows. If I want to see something like that, there are ways I could see something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it is a bit weird. It's like, especially something like early Game of Thrones, it's like, I, like this isn't for the plot. No. This is to turn on your audience. Yeah. But to what? Like, you're not, yeah. Anyway, not to talk about I know. That. Yeah. It's, um, it's bizarre. I mean, the best, for me, the best scene in Game of Thrones was between Rob and I've forgotten her name, but the nurse he falls in love with and wants to marry. It was it was genuinely a romantic scene. They'd fallen in love and they started having sex. Mm, yeah, yeah. I think I remember that. And it was artistically shot with candles around them and nice music because, oh, that's one thing. The music in Game of Thrones in this, top notch. Just, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And they kept the dragon theme, which I love. Yeah, I I hope they have a new theme song. If I even have a theme song. Yeah, they seem to play the Game of Thrones theme on the credits. Yeah, I kind of hope that for episode two we get an opening sequence. Because in the first one we just get, it's not even a title card, it's just a logo. Yeah. uh, With the Game of Thrones. As it then like... And then some drums. Reverbs (laughs) into... Yeah. Yeah. uh, Into a... the show, but I I would like a different theme song for this. That's not that. I mean, you can oh, call back so. to that, like when yeah. a, ca- a character's like, and winter is on its way. <laughs> I just kind of like have that in the background. Uh, I like that. Though. No, it was silly. <laughs> <laughs> it was silly, but I like silly in a very serious stoic show. Mm. 
that was just looking at the, that was essentially breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> yeah, it was Ooh. saying you know that show that you did like most of it, the absolute vast majority of it. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I I liked. I didn't mind the winter is on its way thing. I think that's cool. For me, it was name dropping a song of ice and fire, <laughs> and he called his dream a song of a ice song and fire. Of ice and fire. And I'm like, okay. I didn't mind it, but yeah, I see where you're coming from. I didn't mind it though. <laughs> it's like, it's like if um, I don't know when Luke Skywalker is <laughs> is born in Revenge of the Sith, they're like, ah, I hold in my hands a new hope or something dumb like that. <laughs> oh man, we really got our butts handed to us on Hoth. The Empire really strikes back. <laughs> Just something, just something silly like this. What are we? Some kind of house of the dragon? (laughs) (laughs) That's what they are. That's what they're called. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, that's true. Actually, that would be a funny scene. You get all the um, all the kings, like all the leaders of the kingdoms, and they all (laughs) talk about that. Like the Targaryens are like, "Yes, we are the house of the dragons," and you've got. You've got the Starks being like, yes, and we're the House of the Wolves. Ah, but our name is better. You could almost see uh, uh, a poem being named after our name, but not House (laughs) of the Wolf. That's silly. Yeah. Well, sort of interspersed with that silliness was a really nice scene, I thought, where Viserys is, is mourning the loss of his wife and son, and he hasn't talked to his daughter properly since the funeral. And calls her down, has a conversation with her. Some of it descends into silliness, but it's also quite touching that he says, look, I apologize, but I've been waiting for a son and wasting all the time that you've been alive when you're really everything I'd need. And I think, essentially, he says, I think you'd make a great queen. So I want to name you my my heir. Mm. And so instead of he's going to ignore Damon, who, by the way, was a bit of a dick about what happened. It's alleged, although somebody pointed out, do we believe it? Because Otto Hightower says that there's a report to give, and he claims that he uh, called the dead son the heir for a day. Yes. But some people are saying we didn't actually see him say it. We saw part of the speech being said, but it wasn't shown. True. I mean, yeah, maybe. So some people are wondering if Otto Hightower is actually trying to pull some, be a bit of like a little finger Mm. from Game of Thrones and pull some strings. So some people are saying, look, he probably did. It's not surprising from him. He's a dickhead. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, knowing the way these shows usually go, I I can see Hightower being probably the endgame villain of this season, because I think Matt Smith might carry across multiple seasons, but I can see at the very end that they've got to have a big old boss fight with Hightower. (laughs) Yeah. I hope not. Um, Something a bit more political might be nice with conversation. Yeah. And then a small sword fight. (laughs) Well, but speaking of which, there was a great conversation because of that. The king confronts his brother in the throne room. Yeah. And uh, some great lines in there, as well as the sea bomb. <laughs> oh, Matt Smith saying that, and I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it worked. Anyway. He was talking about Otto Hightower, too. Yeah. <laughs> some great lines in there, like, uh, the blood of the dragon runs deep, so why do you cut me so deep? Or something <laughs> like that. Oh, it's so good to have great dialogue back in Game of Thrones. It is. It's, <laughs> And it's only written by one guy, Ryan Condal, um, mm. who I, I haven't seen anything else that he's done. He wrote on... Um, uh, this show called Colony, which I think is on my watch list, maybe? Mm-hmm. 
I'm just looking at. Oh no, it's not. It's not the show that I'm thinking that it is. But okay. Um. Yeah. No. Like he has proved himself as a you know a really solid writer with this episode. And the director. Yeah. I think did episode three of the last season. So. Oh uh, yeah. He's good. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think um. You know, it's a solid group of creatives. Oh yeah. There's no D&D. That's one thing that I was looking for in the ending credits because I didn't do much research in this before I watched it. No, I mean... Because I just partly didn't care, <laughs> to be honest, mm. uh, until I started watching it and I was like, this mm. is actually p- pretty good. During the end credits, I was keeping an eye out for our D&D going to be credited anywhere and they aren't. Well, they got nothing to do with it, so why would they? <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, okay, cool, because I was kind of thinking, well, after the Star Wars thing didn't work maybe they are trying to you know claw their way back i I make them sound like awful people they made seven good seasons seven and a half (laughs) like they're good at making good tv yeah um oh having read the first book they adapted the absolute best bits of that book some of it is terribly boring sorry to people who love those books (laughs) but terribly boring yeah they put the best bits almost scene for scene sometimes into the show Mm. So they're very good at what they did when they had the material and the time to do it. Yeah. But they rushed themselves. Yeah, exactly. I honestly don't know why they changed the formula. They were doing, I think, two seasons per book for the first four. They would still be making it now. <laughs> uh, I think they were. Yeah. Well, I I guess it's because they they were working off notes and maybe they felt the Game of Thrones wouldn't be too popular for too long. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. There, there's many potentials. I think they did a good job. I just think... Yeah. I think they became they became businessmen over creatives at the end. Well, I think they did a very TV story as opposed to what is true to Game of Thrones story, if mm, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. That also works. I think some of it was... What sort of TV trope can we throw in there? But honestly, Game of Thrones is way beyond that because I hinted at it earlier, but you get to episode nine of season one or the towards the end of the first book and your key key figure for the audience is killed. Yeah, (laughs) whereas in the final season, no one's really killed. I mean, a lot of people are killed, but but it's not as shocking. They they die at the end of their arcs, unlike what happened in episode nine of season one, where someone dies at the start of their arc. (laughs) Yeah, I just feel like I will respect that book, even though I found it a bit tedious. I mean, there are some great moments, because there are great moments in the first season as well. It's a good story, and there are good beats to it, but there are some moments that were tedious. But I'll respect that for sort of breaking the rule. Mm. I think there's a rule. You you got a hero figure. It's like killing Luke Skywalker in... In Empire Strikes Back or something like that. Not just cutting his hand off, but killing him. And you would have thought, no, he's got to be in the last movie too. Yeah. At the time. Um, So, no, good job, George. That was a good twist. (laughs) Yeah. No, he is a good writer. Um, And it's interesting that, yeah, they're making what uh, I think you mentioned, like four seasons is the game plan for this. I think so. I think I heard someone said they've got enough uh, story to do four seasons. Mm. They feel like they can make that quite comfortably. Because apparently it's a quite a rich book with a lot of time period jumps. Yeah, well, the book isn't... It's not a novel. It's like a collection of short stories, I think. It's more of a a, a broad account on what happens. I'm, I'm trying to compare it to something else, but I don't know what... I'll have to ask um, our friend Ian. I think he's read it. I think he's the only person I know who's read 
yet. So yeah. I'll, have, I'll have to ask him what the book is like. Um, but some other cast members, we mentioned the king. He's great. Mm-hmm. We mentioned Matt Smith, really cool villain. Uh, Hightower, yeah. also potentially really cool villain. Mm. Uh, Lady Hightower, really nice, empathetic character. Yeah. I'm excited to see uh, how uh, her life gets ruined <laughs> throughout the course mm. of this show. Yeah, she's probably going to be the next Sansa, isn't she? Yeah. Um, but there's also Rhaenyra Targaryen. Yeah. Played by a young Aussie. Yeah. When I looked up how, how old she was, I felt old. I was like, my goodness. <laughs> she was born in the year 2000. What? Yep. Anyone born after the year 99 is... Uh, what? How? How were you born then, person? <laughs> Tell me how. <laughs> but anyway, she's great, and she's also front she and is. center on all the posters. Oh, so I that was... poster is awesome! It is. It's really cool. The dragon behind her with the swords for the throne. Oh, really, really cool! I, and I love the throne redesign as well in this. It looks mm. uh, sharp, not rubber. <laughs> well, I like the idea as well. I think Miguel, the director, talked about it. He wanted to sort of hint a bit more at the idea of the sword tower it's more of a tower in the book yeah but he wanted to hint at the fact that it's more recently been done and it's sharper now but 200 years later potentially they could have crafted it a bit more for one but also they might have blunted a bit when you sit on it so much yeah so uh it's a good idea but i do like the fact that the king does cut himself a few Mm. times too i really enjoyed that that Mm. bit of detail yeah that, that was cool. Yeah. But yeah, Rhaenyra, um, you know, being front and center on everything and her performance being amazing. Her performance is amazing. But her character is astute. She's like very aware. And again, that scene at the end that we talked about, mm. he asks her, there's a dragon head in the, like the, I suppose the basement, I suppose the crypt is a much better word for it, the crypt. Yeah. And he says, uh, what do you see when you see that dragon? And she says, uh, I see us. And he says, what do you mean? Well, people say that Targaryens are closer to God than men, but they say that because of our dragons. And then Viserys says something very interesting. He says, yes, and the the idea that we can control them is the biggest lie anyone's ever told or something like that. Mm. And they shouldn't be abused. Their power shouldn't be abused. I've seen behind the scenes thing from George R. R. Martin, and he says this is his version of like a nuclear weapon story. Oh, okay. And which is interesting because the White Walkers were a perfect analogy for climate change. Yeah. Well, you've got all these governments around the world com- competing and arguing and this, that, and the other. They're distracted from a real issue that they should be facing. Um, so the uh, dragons in this are like the equivalent of nuclear weapons. That is interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, not, not necessarily the complete equivalent, but no. it could be seen that way is what George is saying. And I cannot wait for the Christopher Nolan movie where someone invents the dragon. Um, <laughs> that's uh, that's going to be great. They could go back to old Valyria <laughs> and where they where they first discovered them, I suppose. I am actually excited for Oppenheimer. I think that's going to be really good. Oh, yeah. Me I too. am excited for a Christopher Nolan film for the first time in a while. Harsh. Um, even though he's great. Yeah. But yeah, I, I really love, I'm really fascinated by Rhaenyra's. Uh, I think she's going to be very astute. She's obviously quite observant and understands the human spirit. Mm. And is there a thing between her and Alicent Hightower? Maybe. Uh, they could just be very close, you know, the two young ladies in the castle sort of thing. Yeah. But I genuinely thought, like, she was inviting her, because her dragon, she has a dragon of her own, and it's growing more and more. Mm. And the 
young Lady Hightower comments on it and she says, well, soon it'll be big enough to saddle too. And then, you know, they're quite close in the garden that with the, with the, oh, what sort of trees? Is it the Kingswood tree? Is that what they're called? I think so. Yeah. I've forgotten what they are. She's la- like laying her head on her lap sort of thing. And I can't tell if like, it's meant to be a romantic hint and maybe not only is she the first female heir, she might be the first lesbian. I mean, maybe. Yeah, could. I mean, I've got no issue with that, obviously, but is that what they're hinting at, or are they just close? Oh, get work, go broke. Um. <laughs> yeah, the most watched show yeah. ever premiering on HBO, definitely going broke. 100%. They're not going to make money yep. off this one. Not at all. In fact, I've heard no. rumours that uh, Kathleen Kennedy was behind it, and uh, <laughs> I, uh, I I hate the internet. <laughs> I like the internet. I just avoid the toxic corners of it, or I make the fun out of them because they're ridiculous and pathetic. It's so silly. It is. But I was surprised to learn that actually hmm? Amelia Alcott is uh, one of the recurring cast members, and the main cast member who's going to be playing Rhaenyra is Emma Darcy. Yeah. Um, they're going to be playing Rhaenyra, which is interesting because all the marketing material focuses on Millie Alcott. <laughs> yeah. And I was actually a little bit sad when I, I saw that I mean, not nothing against Emma Darcy. She's great. Mm. But I th- I really liked Millie, and I thought, oh, that, I wanted to go on the same sort of journey we did with uh, Daenerys. But they're both listed as being in all 10 episodes, so there's going to be a bit of time jumping going on. Yeah, and then we've also got Olivia Cook as well, who I love. Uh, she is amazing in everything that she's in. Mm. Um, and she's playing the older version of Alison Hightower. So... Also, what a great name. I like Alicent. Mm, a lot of the, the names in this are, uh, yeah, really um, mm. interesting. I guess because we spent so much time with the names from the original series that they've gotten normal. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. I guess looking back on it, yeah, it is a bit weird learning characters' names. Like In the first season, we got like 67 yeah. names introduced to us. And then every now and again, you'd probably get five or ten more. <laughs> yeah. It's like, ah, oh, yeah. And uh, Tyrion, and, you know, they're not quote-unquote normal names, and like we're thrown into the world of like House of the Dragon. And even when it's Daemon, which there are Daemons in the world, Hmm. it's spelt D-E-A-M-O-N. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) exactly. I'm like, we're here, and it's like Viserys and Rhaenyra, and I'm like, whoa, these are names I haven't heard before. (laughs) Uh, Yep. But it's going to be interesting to see how that time jump stuff works. I hope it's... Told chronologically, I'm getting a little sick of shows that are half flashback, half not. Mainly just because I watched the the Netflix Resident Evil show recently, and it's awful. Oh, okay. But it is entirely <laughs> split between set in the future and set in the past, and I and I'm mm-hmm. very sick of that style of storytelling. But it can be done well with something like Westworld. Uh, so you know, who knows? Maybe it'll work. Yeah, I, I, I'm interested in that because we said this off mic, but. We started really podcasting together a lot when the first season of the TV show Arrow came out. Yes. And the first season or maybe the first half of the season did something similar and did it very well, but it got annoying in the end. <laughs> yeah, it got annoying around season three. Thankfully, this is only <laughs> 10 episodes per season. Yeah, personally, I think I would prefer something like The Crown, where every season there's a time jump, or every two seasons there's a time yeah. jump. but. But I guess what I was going to get at is it felt really natural in the first season of Arrow. Yeah. But it's almost like, actually, you, you've played um, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, haven't you? I have, yes. 
It's like when Cal needed to learn a new skill. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then he flashed back to, oh, that's how we do that. Okay, I can do that now. I'm remembering. <laughs> it did feel like I that. hope it doesn't get like that, but Arrow got a bit like that sometimes. <laughs> There's a villain. Oh, he's fighting in a similar way to this thing I saw previously. <laughs> I'll take him down the same way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. And it works for a video game. Like I didn't mind it in the Star Wars, especially when the Force is involved. The Force does really weird things it's essentially magic yeah it works in mysterious ways yeah exactly but yeah i hope the tv show doesn't end up like that yeah i don't i don't think it will i mean yeah i'm hopeful that it won't because the writing for the first episode was as good as it is um but yeah Yeah. we will have to wait and see when we come back and do review more i think we will we will probably because it's 10 episodes long we we probably won't review it episode by episode because we aren't really going to be releasing these weekly at the moment but i reckon you know if we come back in like three four weeks and we do another review of everything that we've seen so far i think that that'd be good i mean we'll we'll probably be talking about it weekly anyway (laughs) in the dms so you know yeah i like our little dms we do quite a few but i do sometimes just like talking it's much oh much more enjoyable (laughs) i do prefer it um yeah like maybe not the next time we record we might review something else i don't know we'll see what happens we'll see how we do things i want you to see moon knight i do want to see moon knight because i would happily watch that again and then talk about yeah, it. yeah i do really want to see it especially since i saw half of the directors of moon knight's there their new movie because moon knight isn't all benson and moorhead uh there was also that other director that they came in they kind of split duties but yeah their mm. their new movie played and i'm a massive fan of them their new movie played at the film festival as well and it was uh, some of the most fun I've had in a theater in a while. It's a very silly movie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, I'm definitely down to do a Moon Knight episode. Maybe an MCU episode in general. But we've got a lot of thoughts. Definitely. On a lot of the stuff that's come out. Uh, but, yeah. But yeah, um, I reckon uh, House of the Dragon gets a solid I recommend it. <laughs> Agreed. Is that how we're going to rate things? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I always just kind of like saying... I like it, <laughs> as opposed to ranking stuff, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it can either be we like it, or we... Oh, that's the same rating system as Oldie Buddy Goody, is it either good or bad. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, just how about we'll keep watching? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I am going to keep watching this, yeah, 100%. Oh, but is it good enough for us to keep talking about it? Ooh, and you mean talking stuff? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the name of the show. Uh, and it that's is. the name of the show, which I just got its first episode done. Boom. It did. did. It. That's that's the episode, everyone. It's longer than we thought. Yeah, definitely longer. Uh, Although I was it might be it, an hour long, but here we are. An hour it won't be this long after I've edited. No, true, true. <laughs> good point, good point. If you like the show, um, we probably won't have any social setup for ants just yet. I love calling it that. <laughs> we probably won't have any social setup for ants just yet, but we definitely will in the future. We'll get some TikToks we and will. some Instas and a Twitter. Yep. Uh, not a Facebook because fuck you, Facebook. <laughs> yeah. And not a Metaverse account or whatever. Ew. <laughs> no. <laughs> exactly. I hate when I have, because for the the Facebook account for my other podcast, Oldie Buddy Goody. I've got to go to Meta Business to like schedule posts for it. Oh. And it's useful because it <laughs> schedules it for both Facebook and for Instagram at the same time. That's really useful. True. But I hate having to type in Meta Business <laughs> to go to the site. Yep. <laughs> but uh, speaking of that, I do have another podcast. We probably won't be release- releasing an episode of Ants next week. 
Yeah. But if you would like to listen to more content from, I mean, both of us, you can check out Nerd Out Consumed. The exact title for the feed that's on is Nerd Out with Rob Lloyd, Jen Spears, and Sandro Feltchair. Uh, which is which is my name, if you didn't know. Um, that is on all the stuff, and that's where our previous podcast, No Doubt Consumed, lives. Also, shout out for your stream, your Twitch stream as well. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and your name. Felt Chair. Felt Chair. That <laughs> is my name on Twitch. I do stream on Twitch as well. Uh, links in the episode description. <laughs> mm. I have been known to previously have done that. Yes, and you'll get back <laughs> yeah, into probably it, will I one think. Day. Wink, wink. I hope so. I hope so. Did you make affiliate? On, you did, didn't you? Uh, no, not yet. But hopefully I can sort some things out to do with uh, my computer actually handling it. Oh, yes. And then hopefully I can do it because I'd love to. I'd love to have this sort of thing be, if not a full-time job, but a source of revenue because mm. it's so entertaining and I love entertaining people as well. So Yeah, no, definitely. Um, but yeah, I do have my other podcast, Oldie But A Goodie, uh, which is very consistent, almost too consistent. It's become a bit of a problem. No, it hasn't. I love that show. <laughs> uh, where every week we, uh, myself and... Our good friend, uh, Zach, we review a movie from a particular year. This year, we're doing 2001. Uh, We've done the 90s and the 80s before that. You're on a bunch of episodes, Reese. You did Star Trek. You did James Bond. I did. And most recently, you did an episode on Pearl Harbor, which is one of my favorite episodes of the year. I will link that episode in particular down below, but that show is on every streaming uh, platform. (laughs) Streaming platform? Every podcast (laughs) platform. Uh, Got on Netflix? Wow. We got on Netflix (laughs) and Stan. Uh, but yeah, th- that is uh, pretty much all my projects. Did you have anything that you mm. wanted to plug? Oh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram and Vero, which I've been trying out Ooh, recently. Is that Zack Snyder's Vero? I don't know if it's his specifically, but it's certainly, yeah, he's involved in it a lot. Yeah. I'm mainly going there because a photographer I really like called Peter McKinnon and a YouTuber and a filmmaker, mm-hmm. he... Used to be on Instagram a lot, but Instagram has really gone downhill. Oh, yeah. And uh, Vero is a lot easier to share images. And as a photographer, that's what Pete wants to do. And I signed up to it years ago, but I wasn't very interested because it wasn't very big and very active. But it's sort of streamlined itself a bit. And the people using it, I feel like there are more people, especially because people like Peter McKinnon are recommending it. So I'm on there, but my name is Reese Parton, R-H-Y-S, like Reese Effens in the show. Mm, yes. <laughs> P-A-R-T-O-N, that's on Twitter, Instagram, and Vero. You can also see I dabble in photography myself, and you can find that on Instagram at Reese Parton Photography and see some shots that I take there. Uh, I do YouTube videos probably less frequently than we did consumed (laughs) towards the end of it. (laughs) Uh, And I have streamed before, but again, technology sometimes gets in the way, so I'm not sure how I'll go with that, but I do want to try. Although you'll see me commenting on some similar sort of channels, probably. Mm. So uh, that's that's my social medias. Excellent. And yeah, we're excited to to expand Ants, see where this goes. Uh, we want to thank... Uh, you do like Ants. Yeah, I love Ants. <laughs> I think uh, it's a great movie from back in the day. Um, I remember <laughs> watching it on TV once. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh, we'll do some more episodes not sure what we'll cover but just a wide variety I mean we consume a wide variety of things one thing that I liked about consumed was when we both made each other watch things as well yeah that was good stepping outside each of our comfort zones a little bit 
which is always good fun and getting guests on. Or just prioritizing things differently because I watched the uh, the film Coda probably six months before I was going to. <laughs> yes, because I made you. And I'm grateful I did because it was incredible. And I fell asleep during Red Notice. <laughs> you did. <laughs> or did I turn it off and then fall? I can't remember. Yeah, no, what you said was... I remember this because we were doing this bet and I said, well, I've watched Coda. Have you watched Red Notice yet? And you said, yeah, yeah, I will. I will. <laughs> and then one night you said, all right, I'm going to crack open a drink and I'm going to watch oh, it. Oh, that's right. You drank the drink and then I think you fell asleep. <laughs> I think I had the drink and I was like five minutes into Red Notice and I got tired. <laughs> so I tired. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll probably do some stuff like that. Uh, we'll get some guests on. It'll be really fun. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to grow. The ants. Make giant ants. That'd be great. <laughs> Grow the ants as big as the dragons in the House of the Dragon. Ooh, house of the Ants. More like it. <gasps> what is this? A house for ants? House of no- Aussie Nerds Talk Stuff. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, from me, Sandro, thank you so much for listening, and uh, I'll catch you next time. From me, Reese, I'll say farewell for now.